Here's Stan Warren Luttrell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Find and Hope podcast, episode number 47. Our guest this week is Jane Hagel, and she is a vocational rehabilitation worker for the Oregon Commission for the Blind, and we're proud to interview her because she could explain what work she does to help visually impaired people and blind people to gain employment and all the work she does to do that. And uh, this episode, I'm very proud to be flying solo. Not to miss Matt, but he's on a well-deserved vacation. And we are going to commence the interview in just a second. And stay tuned and enjoy. Good morning, Jane Hagel, and welcome to podcast number 47 of the Finding Hope podcast from Rogue Retreat. And uh, we were going to have Matt Voderstrauss with us, but obviously something happened. I know what it is. He's on vacation. He's having much too good a time, which he deserved (laughs) a vacation. I don't blame him. (laughs) Uh, He does. Yeah, he does. And he... And, and and he has to tolerate me, you know. <laughs> no, it, it's just really fun to be there with. We have a a great group of people there, and um, of course, you know, I think what Rogue Retreat does, and yes. we wanted to invite you on to talk about the Commission for the Blind and what you do. I know because I've been involved for. I, I guess off and on for, I've been here for 20 years, so in oh, Oregon. Man. Yeah. And so wow. I've seen all sorts of people come and go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it has been an interesting experience. And of course, um, I think uh, Lynn um, has been probably one of the most interesting job developers that I've ever worked with and uh, we stumbled into Rogue Retreat and of course thanks to Lynn's um, um, you know, friendship with Chad and and of course uh, Matt Strauss knew his son so everything has worked together and everything has uh, gelled rather nicely. Nice. So very good. What and I think a lot of people don't know what um the Commission for the Blind does. I mean they they see you know things around but they don't really know. So what do you see your job as uh, in involvement in and I know you guys have rules that you have to go by. You have to go and you know connect the dots so to speak so that you can have permission to do what you do. Right, right. But I understand that. I don't think a lot of people really do. But what do you see your job as at the commission? Well, we are, um, we're, we're powered by a mission statement that says that we empower Oregonians who are blind to fully engage in life. And then how that plays out with all of the different roles of, oh, I'm sorry, people in the agency, I apologize. 
My personal cell phone, I should have shut that off. That book rehab counselor did not do her her due diligence in her job. <laughs> hey, that was, that's what makes this fun, you know? Oh, yeah. You just, you fly by the seat of your pants sometimes, and, and uh, so you get a little bit of musical accompaniment to that. That's right. <laughs> but we, we do... So that's the that's the mission statement, and then then how we provide that help is um, for older blind Oregonians. We help them uh, through our older blind program and independent living. So it's called independent living older blind. We help them learn independent skills at home because they don't want to go to work, but they do want to live their life productively and fully and and be able to be home and fully functional. So we've got a program, the, the Independent Living Older Brine Program, that helps people who are in that situation. And then there's an independent living program that helps people who may be younger, who could be going to work, but they're, they're not really there. That, that's not really their goal. We, we help them. And then there's the Voc Rehab Program that helps people access employment and it's a it that's a huge phrase because it's helping people perhaps who've never had jobs access employment and how do you do that it might involve some training uh, and in fact that's one of the big things that our agency does we have tech instructors we have orientation and mobility instructors we have independent living skills instructors and people who teach people how to cook and right now we are doing that remotely or virtually we're doing it by facetime and zoom and by telephone we're providing instruction to get people up and going and functional in their homes to prepare them to be able to take care of themselves while they're working. And how and, does that, um, oh, excuse me, how does that change oh, how you deal with things? How does, how does this whole virtual world that we're all living in change how you do things? Boy, it has really, um, first of all, we were disconnected from each other. Um, the, the agency folks from other agency folks and then agency folks from our clients. And we had to find a way. And, and that way, because we do provide individualized plans and instruction, that way has become individualized for a person's different needs. There are some clients who are able to take their iPhone, for example, and have an orientation and mobility instructor FaceTime them, and even though the client may not be able to see, they can have their phone maybe on their chest, showing the instructor who may be in Portland, and this is a, a person who, a client who lives in Medford, showing them how to access the sidewalk, how to use their cane on the sidewalk. Oh, you need, you're tilting a little bit, you need to have a bigger arc, etc. So we're, we're all finding our way with each individual client that we serve to how to connect and provide the instruction that will work for that client. Some people can take instruction by phone, others need uh, in-person instruction, and there are some clients who've said, can you call me when COVID is over? And the answer is yes. We are we've we are setting aside time to allow that some people may not be comfortable with what we have to do and how we have to do it during this time. 
but we still are reaching out and connecting and I've I've had seven clients go to work in this in the last five months it's been some of them have had to relocate one to New Mexico one to Minnesota but um, really great jobs that they've had. I talked to one, the one in Minnesota last night, and he tells me it's the, it's one of the best jobs that he's had um, in his life. And he's a he's a uh, spiritual counselor. Oh, and terrific! So yeah, he's got a great ministry for a a care center there in Minnesota, and he is um, he said he contacted the Minnesota Services for the Blind and got some, uh, you know, boots on the ground assistance from that agency to help him put Braille labels on the doors of the two buildings he serves, one that's six floors, one that's 23 floors, and he's got to make calls on all of those residents. Now, oh, darn, you remind me, there's a gentleman named Harold that works for Rogue Retreat, and you're like him. Once you stop him, you have to stop. <laughs> you have to try to stop to get a question in. But, uh, but you know, one of the things that's interesting about this is, as you know, and this is uh, the blind unemployment rate is very, very high. Yes. Uh, nationwide and worldwide. Yes. Uh, and there are a lot of theories about why that is but as i was telling matt last week and i have yet to publish the podcast yet but you know most blind people have this thing that also adds to the unemployment problem is that a lot of people have had working experience but that work experience is scattered they may have a, a while, you know, and then all of a sudden they, it goes away and something happens and you lose the job. And then it may not be a, a case where you've lost it because you did anything wrong. You know, right. sometimes you're let go and it's, you know, because of, you know, the alignment of the star, stars, moon and sun. You know, it's like, like there are all sorts of reasons. The labor market. Yeah, it's it could be anything. Funding stream. Oh. Okay. Yes, absolutely, perfectly clear. Good. What happened was I had a package delivered. And as sometimes happens, they ring the doorbell. It's an Amazon package, and they ring the doorbell, and then they go away. So you have to guess uh, where the package is. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> but I found it because... It was like a, a little envelope thing, so I had to guess where the package was. Oh my! <laughs> I should have just let the call go on and assume, because I figured that's what it was—was was a package. I should have just mm -hmm. let it stay there, but I was curious as to what it was, because who knows why people are coming to the door and ringing it? So. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, we're talking about that aspect of. The um, job market, but then I think there's probably another one. I think you'll agree with me on this. There are also what I will call 
blindisms because a lot of times blind people have uh, there are multiple disabilities that they have yeah. and their socialization yeah. issues that also get in the way and make yeah. it difficult for people to find and keep employment yes yes those are those are all um barriers if you want to use that word there they are they are areas that need to be addressed with each person because i've found that some people can present as really high functioning but you need to have enough exposure to a few different situations work-wise to understand that even though they're very high functioning, they may have those um, residual social, missing social cues. And what do we all, the sighteds, as you say, um, the, the, you know, 90% of communication is visual yes. and nonverbal. And so if you're a person who doesn't experience sight, you're relying on your ears. Well, someone may not give you audible cues as to what they're feeling or or whatever. The micro expressions that run across a face, you might mm -hmm. be missing out on that. And so you have to attune yourself even more. And not to say it can't be done because it absolutely can, mm -hmm. but it, it requires the ability to communicate with people who may not be, and this is this is probably the larger work that we do at the commission, is education of people, employers, the community, that people who don't have their vision, that doesn't mean they don't have a brain, and unfortunately that's, uh, that's kind of an ignorant assumption that people do make, um, and it's, it's probably the main thing that that when you can overcome that through education, when you show someone in the community or an employer that a person with a visual impairment has skills, they've got a tremendous work ethic. If they if they're desiring to work, they're they're going to get into a job and they're going to stay there and be loyal. And so you've you've got this great intrinsic value already that nobody knows about. It's like a secret power, you know. And also with power. employers. With employers, there's also an ignorance about, for example, if that uh, I was one of the things that uh, Lynn and I went to. We went to we were checking on employment at one place, and they outwardly said that they wouldn't allow screen readers to be placed on their system. Now that's a direct ADA violation. But mm -hmm. um, but they did, and of course, they, I always think if they don't allow that, never mind that Microsoft has a built-in screen reader right. <laughs> called Narrator, right. and it's right. getting better all the time, especially under Windows 10. Yes, uh, it is. It, it can be used, but what, and I'll tell you, story that and you may uh, know this uh, th there's a program called eyes on success mm -hmm. it's, it's hosted by a, a, a blind man and a sighted woman not that that makes any difference but they interviewed a guy who was who became a lawyer and, and he was taking the bar in California and 
one thing that happened was is he wanted to be i mean the, the people uh, that were doing the bar exam said no you can't we refuse to have screen reader on our system and he made an ada mm -hmm. case out of it and he took okay. them and they had to allow him to take the uh exam using the jaws screen reader but what did yeah. they but what did they do they said you can take the test and then they had uh a group of people put it uh yes with guns pointing at him doing the, during the entire exam process oh my goodness that's harsh <laughs> that's really harsh and um, if you go back and you look for the eyes on success podcast and I don't know the people, so I'm not, it's a, you know, it's not a shameless plug unless you know them, but you can hear uh -huh. this and it's, it, it's a bizarre story. The guy's become uh, quite a successful attorney. Well, I would say if I were his job developer, that this, this guy performs well under pressure because if guns are pointed at you and you're taking the bar exam, that is exceptional that you passed. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's not something I want to have. <laughs> but uh, I want that attorney on studying for me. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's it, but it's very interesting. But I think that certainly is. I mean, one reason why you do have this high unemployment rate, and, and of course, uh, for HIPAA reasons, we can't. You know. But I, we both know, uh, uh, well, a friend who used to be in radio, and last time I heard, I haven't checked recently, but was, uh, you know, doing involvement with, you know, with the IRS, and that's certainly one method of, of employment, but I mean, it, you know, I'm just saying this because sometimes people have to change careers and you have to be prepared to do that if you're not going to be happy where you are. And certainly radio is a <laughs> certainly trial by fire. Well, we, because you and I know that person, uh, I, I believe that I can share. He is, he went back to teaching and he's very successfully employed now at a, at a school that provide services to the blind in another state. And oh, terrific. Well, see, we keep... Happy and successful. We keep in touch on Facebook, but, you know, our lives are so changed that... And I was wondering, but I'm so happy because he did love teaching. Yes, and, and he's good at it. He's and he's good at it. Him. He is. Yeah. I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> when one of the local school did what they did. Yeah, they were. They had some of that ignorance we were talking about earlier. Is yeah, and they and and that's the thing is, people's ignorance causes them to behave in ways that are not very honoring or loving sometimes, and when they discover that that's how they've been behaving and that it's completely. Um, un, unsupported by the reality of the person with the with their gifts that they're bringing, who can be fully 
functional and actually contribute a great deal. I think most people are humbled by that and adjust their thinking, but it's a one-to-one experience. It's not something you can go to a group and say to, you need to be more open and inclusive, and you need to accept the differences of others and the gifts of others. You, it's, it's usually a person-to-person experience, one-to-one, that wins. That's, that's what wins the mindset over. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more because we're certainly, and, and you know, it's just like what I'm doing now, and I, I realize that things didn't start out, but I really wanted to be able to work with Rogue Retreat because I love the organization, and I felt yeah. it would be best if I ended up doing things the way I eventually eventually did, you were probably upset with me, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't upset at all, Stan. I, no, not at all. It, the only thing was, had I had a little bit more lead time, I would have been able to get paperwork set in place. Um, but I simply pulled a couple all-nighters and, and we made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, but I couldn't be happier because the way that things, the way the people are at Rogue Retreat and the way they have worked with me, and I mean, it was really, I've never seen everything, anything work quite as well as they've worked with me. And, uh, and of course, it still dabble in radio through my other little job. Yes. Well, and, this is radio related. A yeah, this is well. That's is absolutely I, a child of the radio industry. Yeah, yes. and I'm lucky because I, uh, I didn't plan to ever go back into radio again. I, you know, that ship had mm. sailed, and one of mm-hmm. my friends contacted me, and I said a couple of choice words. I said, "Look, if you want me to work, I will not work for free." <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. uh, and one thing led to another, and the friend I'd worked with before, so the person knew me, and uh, uh, between the two things, I mean, uh, I you know I I cannot say how happy I am, not only with the oh. people I work with, but I'm happy with myself because that means a lot. It does. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. I always before when I'd work with any entity, I always had felt like I had to overprove myself. I knew what I was capable of, but getting other people to realize that, you know, I was worth something. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and and it's- that's the whole difference because People don't understand. I mean, most people don't understand what you have to deal with. And sometimes you get tired of having to prove yourself. Well, we we all, as human beings on the planet, have to prove ourselves in some way. Right. But people with a visual impairment, there's they have to overcome this this negative and erroneous assumption that they are unable to, and then dot, 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 you mm-hmm. fill in the blank. If it's at an engineering firm, if it's um, 
driving a car, and now we're having self-driving cars, and so that should uh, eliminate the blind people. People who are blind are unable to drive. Well, that's, that will no longer be true if we have self-driving cars, if they can work the bugs out, for example. But people have to overcome an assumption that there's that there are things a, a person with a visual impairment can't do, and there may be things that a person with a visual impairment can't do directly or can't do in the same way. Right. And there might ha- have to be some adaptive strategies or, or tasks. But the fact is that you put that person, if they have a passion for whatever they're working in, they're going to find a way and they've got a great contribution to make. And they've got a great work, work ethic. If they desire to work, then it's, it's this wonderful combination. And you just find the right place for the gifts of that person, and people are usually blown away. Uh, I cannot tell you how happy I am to work with the people that I work with because you've got people mm-hmm. from the top of the organization on down that have been really supportive. I cannot even begin to tell you. In fact, one day you have to come out and uh, get a tour from Rogue Retreat, and you can actually see what they do. I should do that. I've been to the admin offices, and um, I have seen one of their uh, facilities for veterans, the, the tiny home project for veterans. Yes, and uh, which is also close to my heart. So, so, but I want to see the entire the entire venture that that Rogue Retreat is responsible for because they are doing many wonderful things. And we're we're also touching the lives in other communities because other communities, like uh, recently, we had the City Council of Roseburg uh, come here and see what we do so they could do something, the same thing to reach out to try to make a dent in the uh, problems of homelessness there. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I don't, and of course, the radio station I work for um, has uh, involvement with a organization called Hip Housing and hit, and I'm going to talk to the people at Hip Housing because we want to do a, a podcast. I uh, I've already talked to Matt about this, about what they do and what Hip Housing does. You, you if if you think housing is expensive here, just go down to the San Francisco Bay Area and you really get a dose of what it's like. And oh, they have a there. thing where they have a room rental program. So people can live in some, and there's you know there's all sorts of issues like find making an agreement that both parties can live by, and sure. you know, and doing a, and they get once the 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 rental agreement lasts for ninety days, the people who are um, owners of the home, let's say, get a two hundred and fifty dollar stipend. That's saying a reward, and it's all run by a, uh, a, a, pro, a non-profit. It's the Human Interface Project, and they're oh. doing a different tack of so, d- dealing with, you know, the same problem of homelessness, or at least potential homelessness. 
Mm-hmm. They're not doing the drug counseling or alcohol thing as far as I know of, but at least that's also, you know, there are times when you don't need that. You just need to find housing. Exactly. And so exactly. that's what they're doing. And I'm going to talk to the the owner who has connections with the people that run this project, and we'll probably do a, a podcast on them. <laughs> so Love I'm involved you. in all sorts of stuff. Stan, your life is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but anyway, um, and of course, Matt always likes to throw this question in, and I may as well do it since he is unavailable. <laughs> um, uh, if you if you were to see someone that you really felt that they considered their lives to be hopeless, what would you tell them? Well, I often find my hope um, from tiny things. There, there are some bigger things also, but the day-to-day hope, I would look, I look into nature, I stand by a pond and I look at a leaf swirling and swirling across the pond or at an ant um, picking up an object that might be 20 times its size and dragging it through the sand or, <laughs> or around the edge of the pond. And, and I see that the little ant is not giving up and it's carrying a weight that you know, if they were human, they'd be thinking, this is way too much for me, but they just keep after it. And you find hope in those things. You find hope in the, you know, the springing of a bunny out from underneath your deck and going out to look for something nice, green, and moist to chew on that day. Or the hummingbird hopefully coming to sip nectar that you forgot to put out in the feeder. (laughs) The hummingbird has hope every morning and they keep coming back even though you might leave it empty for a couple of days and so i look to nature for my inspiration and and it makes me smile and a smile lifts the corners of your mouth and that somehow pulls on your heart upwards and there's a little bit of hope there by the so way i should start out hmm? oh no keep going well i i just was going to say that i i start out with nature and then often when I then engage with other humans, if I've got a lifted uh, mouth with a smile on it and I smile at another human and they smile back, that sort of perpetuates and accelerates the hope of the day. And it goes on from there. So I start out with, with the appreciation of nature and then I go to humanity and, um, and hope lifts from there. Now the, the we're probably going to end with this because we're, we're spending you know we like to keep it within certain time limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what led you to the Commission for the Blind, and how did you get from? I know you were at RCC, but what took you from? What was the life thing of Jane Hagel? How did you end up where you are? I have been in vocational rehabilitation counseling for 33 years now, since January of 1987. So I did 
what I tell my clients to do. I set up five informational interviews in 1986, and of the five informational interviews about voc rehab counseling, I was offered three jobs. And it was, wow, that's, wow, really? Um, I was interested in it. I liked what the people had to say about it. I liked the independence and creativity and science and forensic, uh, as well as interpersonal connectedness of it. So all of that ticked off three different skill sets that I think I have. And uh, I started with what's called the McDonald's of Rehab, Intracore, in 1987. And, and it's from there, I went to some other uh, vocational rehabilitation, private voc rehab companies. Then I went to RCC, where I just think I continued the same, basically, vocation in a different, under a di- slightly different title. But I worked with youth in transition at RCC and people who wanted to do skills trainings. And then from there, I, I knew the counselor who was retiring at the Commission for the Blind, and I applied for her job and got it. And then got into the specialization of working with people with visual impairment, even though I had worked with a few over the years before then. And I just, I appreciate the challenge. I appreciate helping anybody catch fire for a vocation that is a vocation for them, something that is a passion for them to do for work. And like Confucius said, if you find a job, if you find a job that you love, you will never work a day in your life. Yes. And by the way, of all of the people at the commissions that I've worked with that have done your job, you are by far, bar none, my favorite. Oh, Stan, my goodness. I, I, I guess I better take you to lunch. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> no, even work I mean, that out it, ahead of time. <laughs> no, but I mean, th- this is really too, because the person can make the difference. You can have, and I will say, everybody they've worked with means well, but you are the first person to actually get it, whatever that it is. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. I It's been a pleasure working with you also, and I, I do hear what you're saying about me. It's a, it's it's a little bit embarrassing and and humbling to be appreciated as you just expressed it um and i'm now i'm getting oh my gosh i'm a bit verklempt <laughs> <laughs> then i've done my job then <laughs> but i mean i like be able to do what what i'm able to do in the way that i'm able to do it um in all the people that I'm working with, uh, I'm, I don't know. Well, I'm going to ask you an embarrassing question, though. Have you ever heard Mm-mm. my job at the radio station? Have you tried it yet? I have not. I apologize, but I had, I had Alaska and New Mexico in my calendar just in the last two months, and I've been running. No, no, but no, I, but anyway, I will. It's a I shameless will. plug. Can I give me, myself a shameless plug? <laughs> you to. can. Yes. But it, it, anyone who wants to listen to my dulcet tones, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I have my weather forecasts that are at the bottom of the hour between 6 and 9 a.m. and between 3 and 6 p.m. in the afternoon. And the nice thing is, uh, uh, go ahead and listen to the full hour because 6 and 9 a.m. especially is hosted by um, a friend uh, that I've known for over 25 years now. And he goes by the name of Jay Michaels, and that's the one. And of course, people don't realize I'm not there, and we like keeping things that way. But with, <laughs> with all the things recording-wise that the you can do via, you know, putting things in Dropbox, Cam, and mm. automation, I'm there. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I, like I'm there. And yes, so, exactly. And they play music from the '50s to the '90s, so. It pretty much has whatever taste you like. You, Love it. Love and, it. Uh, Love anyway, that. didn't mean to put you on the spot, but, you know, <laughs> we have to promote ourselves, darn it. Yes. Yes, that's true. And that is true. This has been really fun. Uh, we were yes, madness, but, you know, I'm going to give him a bad time about that, but I'm sure he's <laughs> having a great time, and he really deserves a vacation and i hope he got lots of rejuvenation wherever he is yeah i'm sure he will and he's been you know he's uh he needs to be gone and i'm sure that he'll um have some stories to tell once he gets back and in and i'm able to do things remotely and that makes it nice and also of course, the commission really aided me with some equipment that I needed, and that is, you know, what we're, we're thinking about doing, well, we're going to, we have a YouTube channel, Rogue Retreat does, and so what we might do, and I've been discussing this because we have a person that works with, but what I'm thinking about doing is having someone help me with a webcam. So oh, I can put okay. a, uh, attach the webcam to this computer, and people can and uh, you know if I have it adjusted, then people can actually see what I look like if they yes. want to. Yes. Yes. And we have yeah, listeners think, in several countries. Oh, you started to say? Yes. I was going to say I think that that's valuable um, because. Haven't you found, had the experience where you connect with someone via phone, perhaps? You only call them by phone, and you have a picture in your mind of who they are. And then when you meet them, maybe it doesn't match your picture at all, or maybe it does. And there's a validating thing that happens when that happens. But it's always a pleasure to, to fill out the picture more fully. Literally. Yeah, and, and see what you have to realize, too. That with podcasts, uh, we have listeners in several countries. Okay. And yeah. including Japan and Australia, to name a few. Wow. And well, so good on we, you. Yeah, and so we're we're hosted by the Anchor FM podcasting service, but you can hear the podcast podcast using Apple and Google and. Everywhere you find podcasts. This concludes episode number 47 of the Finding Hope 
podcast. Menu bar. Menu. Open. Close. Save. Control. Save. Unavailable. A. Save selection. Save all. Save. Save. Unavailable. A. Save. Control. Plus F. Close. Control. Plus F. Four. See. Escape. Menu bar. Top of file. File edit. View. Transport. Navigate. Special process. Tools. Options.